Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. A phrase we often say at Grace Life is making much of Jesus. But what does that really mean? Is it just worship on a Sunday morning, or can it be a part of our everyday? Join us for our final series of the year on worship. And be sure to subscribe to our new YouTube channel, where you can find our video messages as well as exclusive content that you can't find anywhere else. Now, let's get into this week's message. Hey everybody, welcome to Grace Life. So good to see you guys. So glad to be worshiping with you, especially if you're a guest. We're glad to have you here. Hey, uh, it turns out this is a really good Sunday if you're a guest because uh, we, we'll give you more than just a time to worship. We'll give you free lunch. It's this thing called First Step. And so I don't want to call anybody out because some of you are not guests and I want to invite you to First Step as well. So don't actually raise your hand for this. Just raise a hand inside your heart. Raise your hand if you've never been to First Step. There you go. So right after the, the second service today, we've got free lunch, we've got child care, and it's a, a free child care. It's a great time to just find out who we are as a church, what we do, what do we believe, is this the church for you? Great time to get those questions answered. And so uh, if you're here for the very first time, you may say, hey, super, we can go down to Starbucks and get some coffee and come back and give them our kids again. It'll be awesome and get some free lunch anyway. So there you go. That's your invitation. Want to see all of you come out and uh, be a part of that. All right. So we just finished a series last week. If you are here for the first time, uh, actually what we did for the past three weeks is we did a, a Q&A series. That meant that we sat around on stage with our pastoral team answering questions that you guys had been asking. If you've missed any of that, I do want you to know, just like any other messages, all of those are online. Every question is online, so you can go and check that out. And uh there you go. All right, so I'm back to preaching. This feels good. I, I, I enjoy this. I missed that for three weeks. So people were like, man, you got to, yeah. As a matter of fact, this staff told me that I, I was missing it because they could tell how much I talked last week. I did all the talking, and it was clear that uh, I wanted to do all the preaching, and my mic is apparently, have, I'm having a wardrobe malfunction, but hopefully not the kind that you get fined by the FCC for. It's got this wire that is trying to like, like, anyway, there we go. We'll just try to ignore that. So if you're here for the first time, I do this kind of stuff all the time. We're, uh, we're just kind of real around here, so there you go. All right, hey, so we're uh, starting a new series today, and I want to tell you where this series came from because well, we try to plan ahead in order to, to, to give everything our best, and for me to have time to really uh, pray through something and allow the Holy Spirit to work, I like to, to know six, nine, 12 months ahead of time what I'm preaching, so as I'm just reading through Scripture in my own personal life, I may come across something I would have never searched for and never thought of and it just allows me literally six months in front of a sermon to just be driving down the road and have the Holy Spirit go here's an illustration oh that's right that's perfect and so normally we're pretty far ahead we're currently planning what we're going to be doing in 2020 but what we're going to do for this month we had to change and we do make changes so I want you to know we're still spirit-led every now and then we make changes and we've already made two changes to the first half of 2019 we we just find out we make plans and the Holy Spirit says y'all are wrong we're just gonna mess with that anyway so what we're doing this month is another one of those changes and here's the reason we have grown a lot uh, in 2018 it, it's been been a lot okay I'm not going to use any numbers behind that because it doesn't really matter but what that means is that we have a lot of people who are new to grace life a lot of people who are new to the style of worship the way we do church and we have a lot of people who have a lot of questions 
So I had a couple just a, a few weeks ago. I think it was maybe about a month or so ago. And they're new to Grace Life. And they, they can't say, can we have lunch? We've got some questions. And so as we sat down to have lunch, they said, you know, we're just really enjoying this, this new church. We're enjoying what we're experiencing at Grace Life. And the, the first thing that just really blew our minds was worship. We, we walked in, and, and this thing you guys do with the lights and the music, it was, it's like going to a rock concert. And I was waiting to find out if that was a good thing or not. I, I mean... <laughs> People can say that, and it can go either way. And like, you just go home energized, and you know. And but but people were a little weird, you know. They were getting into it. They're like clapping their hands, you know. Some people are pointing at the ceiling, like the light's going to fall. Look at that, it's coming down, you know. I mean, they're like, what? What is this all about? And I, I remember when I had the exact same thing happen to me. I went off to college and got involved in a church like this. Funny enough, I came from the exact same church family that they had come from so I, I grew up with the exact same worship style same denomination and, and so we both grew up uh, with with an organ and we grew up with little books you guys some of you know what I'm talking about they're little books they're called hymnals uh, you only find them in churches and, and so instead of looking well I mean seriously you, you, and so you, instead of looking on the screen what you do is is the 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 leader will stand up and say turn with me to page 472 we will sing the first, second, and fourth stanzas. Does anyone know why we always skip the third? <laughs> I don't either, but we always did. So anyway, that just happened, right? And the pastor would then walk up on stage, and he wore a robe. Come on, anybody, your pastor wore a robe? Yeah. <gasps> Woo, this is different. And I remember going to that church. I was in college the first time, and, and I thought that's kind of what that would be like it was a little weird already because I was used to buildings with steeples and a graveyard beside it because people just stick around so long someday you just have to set them over there you know and that's not in the notes but like I told you it's been three weeks since I got to do this all right and uh this one was in a shopping center and so there was a grocery store and a bowling alley and a church I always thought, we're already weird. This is just weird. And you go inside, and suddenly there's lights, and there's this rock band on stage. They called it a praise band, though. That's how you glorify rock and roll. You, 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 that, that's how you sanctify rock and roll. There you go. That's the right word. That's how you sanctify it. You call it a praise band instead of a rock band. And the pastor didn't wear a robe. Matter of fact, the pastor dressed like everybody else, and he didn't ever wear a tie. So I already thought, this is a smart man. I mean, who volunteers to put a noose around their neck? I mean, that's... Anyway, he did have one tie he wore one time a year. It had every helmet of the NFL. He wore it on Super Bowl Sunday. Doubly cool guy, right? Come on, guys. Anybody with me here? And, and then the music started, and it went for like an hour, and people were raising their hands, and I'm like, does somebody have a question? Because in my church, <laughs> you first of all never spoke. Because I did that one time, and the pastor fussed at me. Of course, I was young, and it was his, his sons that I was goofing off with, so I'll give him, give him space for that one. But you didn't talk in church, and you didn't point at anything. You didn't raise any hands. You didn't clap. I mean, people would stare. So this was just weird. And so I remember exactly what it was like going through this, and you guys should be thankful that some of the things I encountered, we don't do. Because after they really got into the music, you think we might be strange because we raise our hands or, you know, we point at the ceiling like like God's up there somewhere these people had flags <laughs> y'all know anybody know what I'm talking about 
And so you're standing there, you're just trying to worship, and suddenly this piece of cloth goes whoosh across your face, almost knocking you down. And it's this very energetic lady running the aisles and doing this. And they go that way, and they go that way, and then they go that way. And then people get on their knees in the aisles, and then some of them, they get on their back in the aisles, and they say, God did it to them. God made them fall down. Come on, anybody ever been to a church like that one? Right? And, and I thought, these people are weird. And so I know, even though we don't have the flags and the falling down, some of you are still thinking, these people are weird. These people are weird. And so what we want to do for this series right now is we want to talk about worship. It's going to talk about worship. And I, I know immediately as soon as I said that, some of you just cringed, especially if Troy's here today, because <laughs> I was going to pick on Troy for a minute. Troy used to come 20 minutes late on purpose, because that's when he predicted the singing would stop. <laughs> and, and he told me that. So anyway, that's why I get to pick on him. And, and so I know some of you are going, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about singing songs for four weeks. Honey, can we go to another church until Christmas? We're not going to talk about singing songs for four weeks. So everybody just go ahead and go, whew, thank God. Anybody with me? Yeah, there you go. But we are going to talk about the idea of what does God want from worship? What does worship mean to God? I mean, he's supposed to be the reason we do it, right? And so I would ask every one of us to go ahead and answer a question right now as we kick off this, this series. I, I need you to answer a question for yourself. You're not going to have to give out the answer out loud, but I do need you to have something in your mind. What is worship to you? What is worship? To you, when, when someone says, hey, let's worship, I mean, what comes to mind? Is it going somewhere? Is it doing something? Is it singing? Is it not singing? Is it on your knees? Is it standing up? Is it with your hands? It does not matter. I just need you to know what you think so that over these next few weeks, we can examine what God thinks when we said, God, I'm going to worship you. What does he expect? You know, because he's the one that should be able to say what he wants from us, right? That's just kind of how that works. And so when we say, God, I'm going to worship you, and he's like, goody, I'm ready. And then we do something completely different, right? That wouldn't work. So here we go. We're going to talk about what worship is, what God thinks of worship. We're going to talk about the stuff that we see in the Bible, some examples we've got there. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn with me. We're going to look at one example where somebody was asking, what is worship? That was just literally their question. And it's in John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 19 here in a minute. But I'm going to give you the backstory. And of course, if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen right here beside me. And I'm going to give you the backstory if, you're, uh, if you've never heard this story or you've never read this. But it's a famous story in the Bible, probably gets preached more than many stories, and it's about Jesus with a woman by the well. And so Jesus is on a journey, he's walking with his disciples, he goes through a country named Samaria, he gets to a point where you just got to take a break. And they didn't have gas stations and all that sort of stuff, obviously, because they didn't have cars. What they had was the well in every town. You would go through a town and you would stop at the well and you would draw water. And that's where you could refresh yourself with water, you could refresh your animals with water, whatever you needed to do, that was kind of the pit stop. And, uh, but of course, the well only had water. So what has happened at this point is Jesus has stopped by the well, he's going to ask the woman for some water, his disciples have gone off to get some food, so he's alone, this woman is there, and he begins talking to her. He has a whole conversation about, will you give me some water? She's secretly offended because strange men don't talk to women in that culture. Jews do not talk to Sumerians in that culture. It, it, it was just pretty awkward. And so to make it more awkward, he did a Jesus thing. He told her everything that only God knew. 
and that freaked her out a little bit. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. He just told her everything she's ever done. He's told her the reason that she's at this well by herself in the middle of the day, avoiding every other woman in the village. He just told her why. And so as soon as he exposes every sin, as soon as he exposes what is wrong with her life, as soon as he tells her everything that only God knows, we're going to look at her response. Here we are. Verse 19, chapter 4. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Well, that's a pretty good start. I mean, son of God would have been a jump, so we'll just let her have that one. That's okay. But then she says, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say, and when she says you, he was a Jew, she represents, she's putting the Jewish people on him, but you, the Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. I don't know about you, but my verse 20 right there, keep in mind we put the numbers in, those numbers weren't there back when this happened, but between verse 19 and 20, I would have said something completely different. I would have said, I perceive you're a prophet. What else do you know about me? What do I do about all that stuff you know? Uh, uh, did you tell anybody else? Are, are you going to tell my mom? Are you, I mean, come on. What else, I mean, seriously, you're with me, right? Somebody you've never met just told you everything about you and especially everything you've done wrong. I would not have asked a church question. And this is the first thing that comes to mind. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Very good. I've got a question about church. Seriously? Sounds ridiculous, but it's not. Let me explain why. The Israelites, if you go back and read the Old Testament, it can, be, it can be tough sometimes reading parts of it. But if you've ever read it, one of the themes that you see, unfortunately, is they keep getting conquered and, and having battles. Sometimes they win the battles. Sometimes they lose the battles. Every time they got conquered, it was always prophesied. God would always say, look, you know, you, you had me, you had my ways, and you chose to reject me, you chose to worship the gods of the other nations, so I'm just going to let those nations come and take over you and show you what it's really like. If this is what you really want, I'm going to let you have what it's really like. And so they would get conquered by another nation, and that happened a few times. And one of those times, one of those times, the country that conquered them took a bunch of people away and sent a bunch of new people in and resettled the land. That's how they wanted to rule the land. And they didn't really have any choice. I mean, at that point, you know, little Johnny thinks little Susie's cute. And it doesn't really matter that little Johnny's from that nation and little Susie's from this nation, right? And so they grow up and they get married and they have a family. And that story gets repeated time and time again. Well, here's the problem. The nation that sent them in looks at them and says, you're half-breeds. You're unacceptable. And while the Jews that stayed pure, they look at them and say, you're half-breeds. You're unacceptable. So all of the non-Jewish people in the world, which would have been a lot of people at that time, said, you're Jews, we don't like you. The problem is the Jews said, you're not good enough to be us. You're not us. We don't like you. We don't accept you. And that started a little battle. Geographically, they're side by side. Samaria is right there. And, and so what's interesting about this story is that the Jews would actually walk all the way around. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a car and I have to take a belt line around a city, I ask the question, is this actually quicker? Because if this is not quicker, I am going straight through the city. And that's with a car. They literally chose to walk one step at a time around an entire country 
Can somebody say hate? Can somebody say racism? It's not a new problem, by the way. They didn't even want to walk through the country. They chose on their feet in the Middle East, lots of sand, lots of dust, no air conditioning, no McDonald's to stop at, just to avoid these people because they considered them racial outcasts. And so, for centuries, there was this incredible battle, not a physical battle. But the Jews would say, your worship, not good enough. Matter of fact, God will never accept you. Your scripture is wrong. They had the same scripture, but they had tweaked it just a little. The place where you worship is wrong. You see, the Jews worshiped in Jerusalem because, well, Jerusalem was inside of Israel. And they couldn't go into Israel, so they picked another mountain. And they picked Mount Gerizim, and they said, we're going to worship on Mount Gerizim. But all the Jews would say, God doesn't go to Mount Gerizim. God does not accept you. And then the Samaritans said, well, then, you know, what do you want us to do? Because you won't let us come there. You won't accept us. And we can't change what our grandfathers did. I can't change the blood that is already inside of me. What am I supposed to do? Maybe I'll go worship another, another God, another nation. But I can't because I know that this idea of God is real. This God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the only God I know. Even if, even if you don't say that it's, it's acceptable, it's the only thing I know. See, you need to understand this wasn't really a church question. This was the most important question of her heart. And you may think, well, why are we talking about her? Because honestly, it's one of the biggest questions of our heart. I mean, I talk with people as a pastor all the time. I'll have people who have come to Grace Life for years sit down in my office and, and they want to talk through something. They're struggling with something and they don't think God loves them. Wait, wait a minute. For God so loved you that he sent his only son to die that you would have eternal life. Yes, yes, I know that, Pastor. Okay, but do you believe Jesus died for you? Yes, absolutely. Have you given your life to him? Of course, I did that years ago. So you would call yourself a Christian? Of course I would. So are you, if you died tonight, do you know you would go to heaven? Of course I know I would go to heaven. Then do you believe God loves you? I'm not sure. Wait a minute, do you believe that you are acceptable to God? I don't really know. See, this isn't a 2,000-year-old problem only. This is a today problem. I guarantee you half of the people in this room feel what she feels. Like if Jesus sat down beside me, one of the first things I want to know is like, just seriously, are we good? Are we good? Well, married people know what I'm talking about, you know? You, you, you have a little spat, you kind of work through it. Somebody, you know, you did one of those half-hearted apologies kind of thing. And, and at some point you just go, hey, are we good? And it's the core thing in her heart. She can do anything. She can put up with anything if, if we're, are we good? It's the deepest question of her heart. And Jesus' answer, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain, he's pointing at Mount Gerizim. If you can just imagine, he literally, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Uh, excuse me, I just said which one because there's kind of an argument. It's A or it's B, and you just said neither. And his answer was this. Skip down one verse. But the hour is coming. Matter of fact, nope, it's here. As you and I speak, 
it's here. And that's really important before we go on because a lot of people want to look at this passage and say, this is what we will have in heaven. This is what God wants for us from us when we die, when we go to heaven, when we're in a spiritual realm. What Jesus says after this, that's when we're going to have that. But Jesus is saying, no, right now, right here on earth. And he said that 2,000 years ago. If the hour was here 2,000 years ago, how much more important is it for you and me to figure this out right now and to get our act together? Sorry, that wasn't the notes either. And he says, the hour's coming. Matter of fact, it's already here when the true worshipers, because that's what she's asking, they say, oh, we're not true. They say that we're not acceptable. But he says, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, truth, two things, in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Got a question for you. I do want you to raise your hands for real with this. How many of you, if Jesus were standing right here, would want him to look at you and say, you're a true worshiper. Who wants to be a true worshiper? Very good. So here's the thing. We've got to look at those two words, two words, spirit and truth. It's not a capital S. So what that means is we're not referring to the person of God, the Holy Spirit. When your Bible has a capital S, it means it's referring to a person. That is his name, the Holy Spirit. This is not saying that. So it's not saying that, you know, let's just get into a room. If the Holy Spirit's there, we can check off in spirit. Nope, that's not what he's saying. It's a lowercase s. Now that could mean that you're going to all turn into ghosts and when your ghost and spirit's floating around, nope, that's not what it means either. Some people would like it to mean that it means when we live in a spiritual realm, when we are in heaven, that's when we will worship truly. But Jesus blew that out of the water when he said, no, not only is the hour coming, it's already here and you and I, lady, we're sitting by well on planet earth. So what's left what it actually means in this passage, in this context, is that it simply is non-material. It's non-physical. You see, earlier when I said, what is worship to you? For some of us, what came to mind was the picture of a building with a steeple. What came to mind for you is this place, this room right here. What came to mind for you is when this stage is full of musicians. That's what came to mind. What came to mind for you is, is your favorite song. What came to mind to you, who knows what it is, but it was physical. It's that album, it's that playlist on Spotify, it's this stage, it's that person with a guitar, it's Matt, it's Emily, it's Angela, it's Kent, it's Archie, and sorry for everybody I don't have time to name. It, it's, it's someone, it is some place. Okay, Andrew, just because of the look on your face, and Andrew. But it is not, it's not physical. It is not, you, you might have thought Sundays. It is not just Sundays. You see, calendars are natural. They're physical. When we think about an earthly calendar, that's, that's not a spiritual thing. That's just how we keep up with the sun going up and down. It, it has nothing to do with that. It doesn't mean where you go. It doesn't mean when you go. It doesn't mean how you sing the songs. It means that it's got to be something that happens above all of that. It transcends all of that. And then that leads to the next question. How? How do you transcend the very world we live in? How can we worship in spirit? So, so, so okay, we're not going to get caught up in when we do it. We're not going to get caught up in where we do it. We're not going to get caught up in what the building looks like. We're not even going to worry if there is a building. So you're telling me, Jesus, we could do this. Is I'm taking a walk down the street as I'm standing under a tree, as I'm sitting on a bench in a park, as I'm in my living room, as I'm driving my car. So it has nothing to do with when, where, and how then what, what's the deal? What, what breaks it? What makes it? And then he said, and in truth. And see, that seems simple, but that's really where it gets hard. 
Because what he's saying is, if it's not about an act, although worship does have an act to it, does that make sense? I mean, if you get on your knees, you just did something. If you raise your hands, you did something. If you sing, you did something. If you pray, you did something. So there will be an act to worship, but what he's saying is, whatever the act is, has to be true to the heart of the one who's doing it. And well, for worship for them, it wasn't. Matter of fact, Jesus even told parables about them because there were guys that would come in and they were doing the act better than anybody. They had their robes, they were dressed, and they would come in and they would you know, do whatever this is and light whatever that candle is and they would drop their offering. They would literally drop their offering from above. You know how if you actually have coins and you drop them in our buckets, everybody in the room goes, dung, dung, dung. Yeah, everybody hears it, everybody knows. And back then, though, that was cool. See, today, if you drop coins, everybody goes, who's that over there giving quarters and nickels? What kind of ungodly person is that? But back in their day, everything was a coin. And so for someone to hold up above the basket gold coins that they would fall, and they wouldn't let them all go, to be one at a time. And so they would, everything was an act but nothing was going on in here that went with it. Jesus told a, told a whole story about that. I'm not going to go back and take time for that. And, and, and then there were other people in the story that just said, God, I'm not good enough for that. They didn't dress right. They didn't drop their money from on high. They didn't do. And God, Jesus will say, look, it's not about what you do. It's about what's in here. You see, it's got to be in spirit, meaning you don't just wait to come into this room. But it's also in truth, meaning you've actually got, it's got to be coming from here. Now, this brings up a problem because we do a lot of worship that is not true, non-true. Matter of fact, let's just take singing songs for a minute. We put words up to these songs and we're standing there going, God is good, God is good, you are good, you are good forever. And we don't believe it at the moment. I'm not saying you don't ever believe it, but come on. How many of you have ever been singing and the songs that go up on the screen you actually just want to stop singing. Everybody had one of those moments? I mean, come on. we've all had those hard days. We've been through a season. Maybe you've been through a miscarriage. Maybe you're going through a separation in a marriage. Maybe you've been laid off and you're singing about the goodness of God. He's my provider. Maybe you've, you've seen someone die sooner than you wanted them to and, and you're looking at these words, God, you are good, God, you are good. And come on, how, is, how are we going to sing those words in truth? And the answer is in faith. You see, there are times that in order to do something in truth, our emotions may not agree with what's on the screen, but our mind still knows it's true. And in faith, just like David in Psalms, who David wrote most of our Psalms, and he was a king of the Israelites, and he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. Bless the Lord. Hey, self, hey, you. Hey, feelings, bless the Lord. I know you don't feel like it. Hey, distracted thinking, bless the Lord. I know you're worried about who won the game last night and you're all upset because your team didn't and all that stuff, but just bless the Lord. You know, that's, that's what he's saying is bless the Lord, oh my soul. And there are times where we stand and go, God, I really, I struggle with those words right now. But I know they're true and I bless you. God is good, God is good. God, you are so good. Even when life doesn't feel good, right? But then there's also a way we can sing songs, and it's non-true. It's non-true. We're not doing things in truth. And 
It's where we're, we're standing. I'm just going to give an example. It's, but maybe it's that we sing the song, Jesus is my victory, Jesus is my victory. And, and people, Jesus is my victory. And you're thinking, then why is my marriage falling apart? Why is so-and-so not talking to me? Why is this going the way this is? Well, here's the reason. Because Jesus said to forgive. Jesus said they will know us by our love. And Jesus said hundreds of other things. And we don't do those things. We don't forgive people. And so our heart is bitter. It is angry. Our relationships are broken. And so we stand there singing, Jesus is my victory, but we won't do anything that Jesus says. And so suddenly we're no longer worshiping in spirit and in truth. That's not faith to stand there and say, Jesus is my victory when I won't do what Jesus says. That's hypocrisy. Now, if that didn't hurt your feelings, you're going to good. That's the hardest thing I'm going to say all day, I promise. But that's what Jesus is talking about. Look, it doesn't matter, lady. Mount Gerizim, truth is, it's all going to go away someday. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But he saved that sermon for later. But he already knows it. So he's saying it doesn't matter. Mount Gerizim, nobody cares. Jerusalem, nobody cares. Matter of fact, it's all going to fall. Neither of those matter. Matter of fact, it doesn't matter which church you stop by. It doesn't matter if it's got a steeple. It doesn't have a steeple. Matter of fact, you can do it by the well if you want. You're, you're, you're having the greatest worship experience probably in mankind. You're getting a one-on-one with the Son of God, and we're just sitting by a well in the middle of the day in the sunshine. It doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter what day. All that matters is that what you do, what you say, what you sing, what you whatever is true to this. God's looking for somebody who stops making it about a time and about a place and about a show. And that's what Jesus is saying. So if we all want to be true worshipers, and if it's not about a time, if it's not about a place, and it's not about a show, we've got to come back to the question we started with, then what is worship? And I don't have time to give you an exhaustive list, but I'm going to give you the list I feel God gave me for us to look at. Is that okay with everybody? And so I'm just going to walk through a couple of things that is worship. The first one is faith. It is faith. You see, we are calling this series, if everybody would look up here at one of these screens, look at what the title of the series is. Say it with me. Making Much of. This series is called Making Much Of because that's always been our prayer. God, our prayer today as people come into this place and worship that we will make much of you. You see, worship is making much of you. Faith is making much of God. Faith is making much of him by saying, God, you are good when life is hard. And we are making much of him. You see, one of the first things the enemy wants to do is take worship from God. It's what he was trying to do in heaven. It's why he was cast down. It's the very thing he tried to do when he met with the Son of God. If you don't know the story, you can go read Matthew chapter 4. And one of the things that the devil says to Jesus is, if you would worship me. He's been trying to steal worship from God all along, and he's still trying to do it today. And the very place that I think he's so successful is when humanity finds out life is hard, and we lose our way. But what's crazy is Jesus told us life would be hard. He said, you're going to have many trials in this, this time on earth. This is going to be hard for you. And so what we're supposed to do in faith it, it, to make much of him is to say, God, you are good. You intended for our lives on this earth to be perfect. You didn't break it. We broke it. You've told us how to have a good life. We've messed that up. You didn't ever want us to be sickness. That sick, sick was, sickness wasn't a part of your plan. You didn't want us to die. That was not a part of your plan. All of that is a result of what we did to break it. So I know life is hard, but in faith, I'm going to say you are good because you are. It's making much of him. Our choices. 
It's making much of him when we do what he wants instead of what we want. When we do God's ways instead of our ways. You know, if you, you may still be struggling with this, but if you're not struggling with it now, you did probably before you became a Christian, or you've got some non-Christian friends telling you this is the very reason they don't want to be a Christian, and that's because they say this is nothing but a bunch of rules. God is a killjoy. God hates fun. God hates people loving life. And so this is a bunch of stuff to take that away. But it's not. What this is, is a how-to. <laughs> How to make things work the way they were intended. You see, every command in this word, there's only two reasons that it's there. Everything in that, two things. Number one, it's for your best. You see, God created us and God knows what works best. Kind of like Henry Ford knew putting sand in an engine was a bad idea. Driving the car into a lake was a bad idea. Henry Ford had a right to say that's a bad idea because he made the cars, right? Somebody with me? And God has a right to say, look, I created your souls, I created your bodies, I created your future, and if you want to thrive, this is, this is the instruction manual for thriving in this thing called humanity. And the second reason is for his glory. And I know some people, when I say that, they're like, well, wait a minute, so you mean God makes demands of us just because he likes it that way? Yep. Has a little something to do with called God. I mean, I've told you time and time again, and I mean it every single time. I love atheists because they're intellectually honest. They do what they want because they say he doesn't exist. My problem is with people who go, there is a God, but I'm going to redefine his godness. Because God means he's in charge. God means that he's above, and I'm just going to not, no, he's not going to be above me. I mean, what? So, yeah, he has a right. Attitudes. Worship is about making much of him in the way we carry ourselves. And it, and it should be with joy, with gratitude, with hope, and with kindness. I mean, think about it. Who wants to be around some grumpy old person? Hey, will you come to church with me on Sunday? <laughs> Worship is in our thoughts. Worship is making much of him when we meditate on what is kind, what is pure, what is holy, what is godly, when what's going on up here is about him. Worship is in our giving. Y'all knew that was coming, didn't you? Worship is making much of him when we give our time and our energy and our resources to say, God, you deserve it. It's a sacrifice to you. And can I just stop and talk about that word for a minute? Sacrifice. See, the Old Testament, that was the word that they used, worship. When you came to worship, you always brought a sacrifice. But in the Old Testament, it meant that you, you brought, uh, what do y'all, what's your dog's name? Fluffy. You brought little Fluffy on a leash. <laughs> Except it was a sheep, usually not a dog. It was a sheep or something. And all the PETA people, you're just going to have to take a deep breath for a second. Y'all okay with this? Because, well, you know, God is God. So here we go. And, and uh, one of the things you got to keep in mind is it was never God's pleasure to see animals die, but. It was also not God's pleasure that we would sin. And God actually was the first one to kill an animal because he said, you guys have sinned and the only way to cover this sin is with blood. He was showing us the future when Jesus would have to shed his blood for us. And he's saying that's just the only way. And so God would require every time you sinned to shed blood. Now, the problem with us is how often do we sin? All the time. So 
all the time we go to worship, we've got to bring a sacrifice to make up for that. And so God said, here, this is my idea. If you're going to make up for your sin and you're going to give me a sacrifice, it's going to be perfect. You cannot give me one with a blemish. Don't bring me the lamb that can't walk because he's got only three legs because he, you know, got hurt in a, a cart accident or something like that. Don't bring me the cow that, that didn't grow with the second ear. No, 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 none of that. You're going to give me your best in worship and, and then you are going to burn it. No, 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 we're not going to cook it on a grill and you're going to get to enjoy it. No, 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 you're not going to get to set, you're just going to burn your best because the aroma is pleasing to me. That's what God said. That's what God wanted. And then people reasoned. Have y'all noticed humanity reasons? We reason really well. And so they started thinking, hmm, so God, you enjoy the smell. So I've got this sheep that is worth half of this perfect sheep. I mean, if I took it to the market, I, I would only get half as much. And, um, well, I know what you said, but it smells the same. I mean, when I burn it, it's going to smell the same. The, the aroma, if this aroma is pleasing to you, then this aroma is pleasing to you. And after all, God, I just, I'm doing what you want me to do because I'm going to take this sheep to the market, the, the, the good one. I, I'm going to give you this one. I'm going to take the good one to the market, and I'm going to sell it. I'm going to get twice as much money. I'll give a little bit of that to you. How many times have I heard, if I win the lottery, I'll give to the church? Anyway, and I'm going to get, y'all are hurting us. Y'all are looking at me like, stop it, pastor, move on. Anyway, and I'm going to take this sheep, and I'm going to sell it, and a little bit's going to you, and the rest is going to pay off my debt, and it's going to send my son to college, which, I mean, come on, God, you gave him to me, and i got to help him have a good life. And I'm just being a good dad. I'm being a good provider. And I'm gonna, this one smells the same. You know what our problem is? We judge the worth of our gift instead of the worth of the one we worship. It's not a new problem. We judge the worth of our gift instead of the worth of the one we worship. Translate that into modern day. Have you seen that building? I'm a single parent. I can't even pay my own mortgage. They don't need my money. You're right, we don't. This is not about grace life. And you know what? God even says in Scripture, He doesn't need your money either. The question is whether or not you're going to worship Him by giving Him a gift that means more to you than you think it does to anyone else. It means when you look at your time and you say, you know, life is hard. I work 60, 70 hours a week just to keep up with this hard life. And after all, God, you're the one that gave it to me. So, I mean, when it, I just need my own. I just need a Sabbath. After all, the Sabbath is in the Bible. Yeah, and you do need a Sabbath, but that's not what I'm talking about. So I don't have time to serve. There, there's no, I can't give any more time. I can't give any more energy. I, I need that, God, so that, well, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal. Because we're good at rationalizing, right? good at reasoning here's what i'm not going to i'm not going to serve i'm not going to do, do that and i'm not because i'm going to rest up so that then i am really ready to get up early on monday and have a great prayer time with you seriously god it smells the same so what is worship it's everything that's the good news for those of you that didn't want to talk about singing songs for four weeks but that's the bad news for everybody else <laughs> Worship is life. Worship is every thought we have. Worship is everything we give or everything we keep. Worship is how we serve. 
or how we don't. Worship is what we think. Worship is what we say. Worship is how we treat people who hurt our feelings. Worship is how we treat people who have sinned against us. Worship is how we treat people who are different. And they can't change that, so why should they? Worship is how we take the most valuable gift and we burn it. Your most valuable gift today might be forgiveness. There are people in this room right now that would write a check for every penny in your bank account as long as you don't have to forgive your sister or your mom or your spouse. There are people in this room right now that would serve every service every time the door is open as long as they don't have to give more. There are people in this room right now that would give every penny and serve every Sunday as long as you don't ask them to change their thoughts. Matter of fact, they write those checks and they serve to make up for the internal guilt of what they think when they sit and scroll through the internet in the dark by themselves knowing that if anyone else knew. I don't know what your most valuable gift is this morning, but I will promise you this, we've all got one. Every one of us has something on that list. If you would put that list back up for me, what I'd like you to do, if you weren't taking notes, if you didn't write it down, I'd like you to write it down. They're gonna leave it up. If you wanna take a picture with your phone, you do it, because I'm gonna open the series and close my message today with one challenge. The series is called Making Much of Him, and what I want you to do, what I think God wants us to do, are you listening? Is to make more of Him. I think he wants us to take this list and give yourself a grade. And, and, and if it's an A and an A and a B and a C and an A and an A, then you take the C and you say, right now, whatever, I just gave myself a C. And wherever you give yourself the lowest grade, begin to make more of him. Is that something we can do? And you may want to do this every day. You may want to do this once a week. You may want to do this once a month. I would encourage you, don't let this be something that just goes away. Well, that was nice, Pastor. Appreciate the sermon. What are we doing next week? Because making much of him is what we're going to do to the day we die. You, you may, as you pray, add something to that list because he may say, actually, you get A's on these, but here, let me tell you about something else. And that's okay. I told you the list wasn't all-inclusive. There's stuff out there that we can still talk about. But as I close today, I want to challenge us. As we begin to talk about how to make much of him, I want us to start right here today and begin to make more of him. I want to close by talking to those of you that, well, you haven't made much of him because you haven't given him your life. Maybe it's because you've never heard the truth that Jesus died for you and then he rose again, and because of that, you can have forgiveness, that you can have your shame removed. The guilt will be gone. Eternal life is yours, the love and acceptance of God. The very thing this woman was asking, you can have right here, right now. If you have never had that encounter 
because sometimes we think Jesus died for me. I will be good when I get to heaven. No, 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 because there's a step in between. The Bible tells us we have to receive the free gift of eternal life. What that means is that at some point we have to walk out and say, God, I take that free gift. Thank you. I give you my life. I want to help you do that right now if you've never done that. You don't have to stand up, come down front, right where you are. Would you all just join me and pray? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it head over to gracelife.church slash resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.